Hi, welcome to the Philosophy Podcast. I'm Bethany Rail, the founder and leader of the Philosophy Real Estate team. Our mission is to make real estate approachable so that everyone can utilize it to build wealth. I'm here with Marisol Ross, one of our top producing realtors who is investment savvy and excels at truly listening to and powerfully advocating for her clients. Hi, Marisol. Hey, we are back in our podcast studio. Yes. Do you want to explain what we're going to be talking about today? Yeah. So today we are going to basically break down everything you need to know about buying a home. I mean, maybe not every single solitary thing. But a lot of them. (laughs) But a general overview. And so this is especially for if you've never bought a home, listen to this podcast. And if you need to, listen to it twice, you know, because there's a lot of things that first time home buyers just like don't realize about buying a home. And I feel like sometimes, and I mean, I was like this too before I got into real estate, before I bought, bought real estate, like you're embarrassed to ask. Totally. You're, because I think people think like all things real estate is just common knowledge. Like everybody knows what a down payment is. You know, if you don't know what a down payment is, that's totally okay. <laughs> Absolutely. And we see it all the time. And like our job is to like walk you through the process. So like um, if any of our clients, like if any, I always tell all of my clients, like if you don't know what a down payment is or an appraisal or things, literally ask do not feel embarrassed this actually isn't common knowledge no unless you've done it before so yeah it's our job to make those things simple because it's actually not no and that's why you need a trusted realtor and we'll get into that but so we're going to just go through all the different steps to essentially buying a home so first there's four things that you need bethany do you want to share what those four things are Yes. So if you are just getting started, you know you want to buy a home and you have no idea where to start. Or you think you might be able to, but you're not sure if you're able to. Totally. Or if you want to and you don't know if it's in six months, a year, or tomorrow, Mm -hmm. these are the things to get established now. Um, You need a realtor. You need a trusted realtor. We'll have another episode at some point talking about what to look for in a realtor, but you do need somebody that you trust Um, You also need a lender that you trust. There is a huge difference between good ones and bad ones. We can point you in the right direction. You need a pre-approval letter um, explaining that a lender has looked at your situation and your finances and you are ready. And then you also need cash for a down payment and closing costs. And a lender can help you evaluate what that number would look like. Yeah, so you said we are going to do a whole episode about choosing a realtor. I mean, hopefully it's one of us, obviously, or someone on our team. Obviously. Um, And if you live in Middle Tennessee, those are really your only options, honestly. Um, Yeah. (laughs) um, But I will say, too, um, what I tell people, what's so important is that you trust your realtor um, because there's a lot of different things that you're going to be getting advice about. So if the person isn't advocating for your best interests, you could really, you know, get, or if the person's just really incompetent, could really mess you up um and you need someone that is you know good at communicating and that you just feel like is really listening to you um totally we strive to be all of those things so once again if you live in middle Tennessee, it should it should really be one of us it really should <laughs> um and then why don't you explain how to even go about finding a lender yeah so one of the big things that people always think of first with choosing a lender is good interest rates Mm -hmm. um, which absolutely pay attention to that different lenders do have different programs most lenders have quite a few programs and they can walk you through what that even means but different loan types they can have different types have different advantages and disadvantages and they can explain all of those so you want to make sure that a lender has a specific option that'll work for you but you also want to make sure that you trust your lender, that he's going to shoot you straight, 
um, that he knows what he's doing and is a great communicator because you will end up spending a lot of time talking to him or her throughout the closing process. And it matters that they're good at communicating, that you know that they're telling you what's going on, that they're accessible when you have questions. You also want somebody who can talk to realtors well, both your realtor, but also the agent representing the listing because they're the ones who are ultimately going to help decide who gets to buy that house and you want them to be you. Um, And a lender can be a big advocate for you even in that. So there's a lot of factors that go into it. And most realtors will have a preferred lender. So if you have a realtor that you trust, they're going to have a lender they trust. And so typically that's the easiest way to go about it. But I mean, also you can take um, like recommendations from other friends if other friends had a good lender that they worked with. That's great too. But knowing that your realtor and your lender have a good relationship is a huge advantage. Yeah, it absolutely is an advantage. And one thing too that people can get a little wary about with choosing a lender is when they're going through the pre-approval process, pulling credit is one thing that um, lenders will often do. And um, if you are talking to multiple lenders within a span of about 30 days and they all pull your credit, it counts as one credit pull. Mm. So it's a good idea to go ahead and shop anybody that you want to talk to within a 30-day span and then choose and move forward with that one person. Yeah. Um, and then, so, okay, so once you're pre-approved, so what also people don't realize too is pre-approval is just the lender saying, I'm fairly confident that you will be able to get a loan. Um, so that's what that pre-approval letter is. And that's basically the, you know, the check mark, the green light, you'll say, to starting the process and viewing homes. And so that's when you'll get with your realtor and you'll say, hey, look, I'm pre-approved. Let's start looking at homes. And the realtor is going to pick all the different, you're going to tell the realtor all your different like preferences, your price range, your square footage, beds, baths, areas of parts of town, all of that. And, you know, we'll start looking. And what a lot of people don't realize is that I think sometimes they think, oh, the best way to like house shop is I'm going to go set up a a search on Zillow or Realtor.com or anything like that, Um, which obviously those are great resources and they're free. So that's great too. Um, So us as realtors have access to something called the MLS. So that is kind of like we call it the mother of all of those other sites. So Zillow, Realtracks, I mean, not Realtracks, Zero, sorry, I'm going to. Zillow, Redfin. Zillow, Redfin, Realtors.com, they all have pull from the MLS and only realtors have access to that um, original source. But what we can do is we can set you up so that you can receive notifications anytime a house goes on the market that meets your criteria. Or you can just get an email once a day with all of the homes that meet your criteria that have popped up or that there's been any kind of change in recently so that you can just kind of be in the know. So you'll get these emails every day. And then when you see one that you love, you just can reach out to your realtor and say like, let's go see this home. And so, um, yeah, viewing. So that's when you start the actual like home viewing process. Totally. One thing that helps when you're viewing homes too is not only looking at, is this the one, but also looking at what features about this do I like? What features about this do I hate? And sometimes, you know, we'll go out on, you know, the first round of showings and somebody will find a house that they love, but they hate the neighborhood or they Mm -hmm. hate that part of town. It's too far from work. And so that's a good cue. We just need to not look at anything else in that neighborhood because you don't want to fall in love with a house in a location that you're not open to. 
Yeah, and actually, I've also had the opposite experience, which is that people come to me and they say, like, we're, we don't care where we live, anywhere in Middle Tennessee. And then they start, they fall in love with the neighborhood. Totally. And suddenly, that makes our job really easy. Okay, we're just looking for a house that meets the criteria in this area. Um, and, yeah, because where you live is very important, just as important as the house that you live in. Yeah. And we're also going to have other episodes that talk a little bit about... Um, yeah, the kind of things that you should be looking for in a home in order to make it a good investment. But um, I always feel like with my clients too, there's kind of two things we're looking at. Is this a good investment? Is, is this right for you? And for certain people, that scale is very different. Some people just want a good investment. And they're like, we don't, I don't really care where I live as long as it's a good investment. Some people don't care if it's a good investment. Um, but, um, or they really want some like quirky feature that they just really need. And, and in a sense, it's like those kind of quirky features don't always appreciate well. But you know what? It's more important that you live in a place that you love. So. Absolutely. And we can help kind of help you find that common balance, that sweet spot between the two. And so the next step would be to make an offer. Yes. And there's a lot of things that go into making an offer beyond price is the obvious one that everyone knows to think about. But there's also factors that can be negotiated like the closing date or contingency terms, closing costs, anything like that. There are a few contingencies that are at least noted on most offers, whether it means that they're present or they're not present. And those are... And a contingency, just like we'll note, is something that would get you out of the contract. Yep. It's terms that would be... Like, if this situation arises, you can get out of the contract with no penalty. Mm-hmm. Or these would be the terms of how you would get out of the contract. So a common one would be an inspection period. And with every offer, we'll discuss how much of an inspection period you want. Like, how many days? Is it a pass-fail, meaning that you'll either take it or you won't? Or are you going to be able to send a repair proposal? And we can go through the pros and cons of any of those scenarios for your particular offer. Another common one is the appraisal contingency, which just means that the lender will require an appraisal, but it sets you up so that, you know, if you put in an offer at 500000 and it appraises from an objective third party at four ninety, it sets you up to be able to either negotiate that difference, pay the difference, or they can, you can get out of the contract if there's no way to make it work. Um, and then another common contingency is financing, which just means I have to have a loan to buy this house. And if anything happens with my job or financing and I'm not able to get financing, I'm able to get out of the contract without losing anything. And there's also home sale contingency too, which is that uh, this contract would be contingent on the person selling their current home. Or like a home find contingency, which would be <laughs> this contract is contingent on the seller finding a new home. So there's lots of different, every contract looks different. There's lots of different nuanced things you can throw in there, but that's kind of the common one. Um, and if you have ever have a situation where like in order to buy a home, I would really need this scenario. Mm-hmm. Ask us about it because there's probably a way that we could make it contingent on that. And there's pros and cons to every contingency that we could explain in full. Yeah. And so then, okay, so you present the offer and sometimes there's negotiation that happens. So the the seller will either accept, reject, or counter. Counter is probably the most common. Um, and that's just them coming back at you and asking for either a higher price or to remove one of the contingencies or to specify that contingency to make it more advantageous for them. Um, sometimes there's a few counters that go back and forth, but then eventually 
Um, hopefully, if the house works out, then you go under contract. And so that's when both the buyer and the seller have signed the purchase and sale or, sa- or signed one of the counters to say, like, okay, we are now under contract. And at that point, you would then um, a few days later have to pay earnest money, which Bethany's going to explain what earnest money is. Yes. Earnest money is kind of, I call it skin in the game money, where it sets both the buyer and the seller up to where they have something to lose. And so earnest money is an amount that'll be set in the, it's in the actual offer so that it can be negotiable. 1% is fairly common, but it doesn't have to be 1%. And it'll be held by a third party, usually the title company. So neither the buyer or the seller has easy access to it. And it will only be released based on the terms of the contract most frequently it's applied at closing towards the down payment or closing costs. So it's money that you were going to spend anyway. They're just holding it so that you can't say, I found a house I like better. I'm not buying Yeah, it because that would hurt the seller and it gives you something to lose. And as a buyer, I think the important thing to think about is earnest money. Like when you're thinking about how much cash you have to have ready, you're going to be paying that earnest money, that 1% of the purchase price on the day, not on the day, but like within a few days of going under contract, you're going to be paying the rest at closing. So just like knowing, okay, do I have that 300000 like not 300000 sorry. Do I have that $3,000 on hand ready to go in a few days? Um, that's just something that you should keep in mind. Yeah. And then next would be inspection. So you're going to hire a home inspector. You I mean, you don't have to, but we highly, highly, highly recommend, recommend it. <laughs> that you hire an inspector to go to that home, check it out, and they're just going to see what's there. Now, keep in mind, inspectors, especially good inspectors, they're going to be thorough, and they're probably going to find things that don't really matter. Um, they also may find things that really do matter. And um, the inspectors can help you with this, but also us as realtors can help you kind of figure out, you know, what is a big deal, what's not. You know, obviously, foundation issue, big deal. Um Maybe this one light switch doesn't work. Could be a big deal. Could not be a big deal. Yeah. It might take further investigation. Or, um, you know, like I've I've seen on inspection report, like the door uh, hinge thing is like dented. And it's like, okay, well, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. And oh. sometimes things are, are a big deal, but they're easily remedied. Exactly. Easy to remedy. And yeah. so it's not necessarily a deal breaker. Like, there's no fire alarm in this one bedroom. It's like, okay, obviously it's a big deal, but fire alarm is $60 at Home Depot. So, yeah. Or Lowe's, whatever your um, your hardware store of choice, of course. <laughs> We're not partial. Um, nope. And then next is an appraisal. One thing that actually I personally did not know what that was for a majority of my life. So if you've never heard that word before, no big deal. What's an appraisal, Bethany? An appraisal is basically a lender will always require an appraisal. And so... Once you're usually once you're through the inspection period, the lender will hire an appraiser that basically neither the seller or the buyer can talk to you and they will go out to the house and they will objectively form an opinion of value. And so they'll say, you know, we think this house is worth this much based on recent sales, based on, you know, how the neighborhood is trending, whether it's going up in value or stable or depreciating, anything like that. And they'll give a very, very long report and everyone's going to hone in on one little line that (laughs) says the number of it's worth this much. And the lender will pretty much never lend on more than that number. So even if you've agreed to a higher purchase price, then if the number comes in lower than what you've agreed to, there will have to be some negotiations. The flip side is sometimes you buy a house, say you've negotiated to buy a house for 500000 sometimes that appraisal will come in and say it's worth five twenty-five, 
well, that means that you're basically buying a house at a discount. And as the buyer, you don't even have to tell the seller. All you have to say is, appraisal came in clear, we're good to move forward. And you don't even have to disclose that you got $25,000 in equity from the beginning. So So I think just to summarize, because I think sometimes if you've never heard these terms before, I can just feel like just like ping pong balls in your head. Yes. Um, so if it appraises low, so let's say I put in an offer for $500,000 and it appraises at four fifty, That means that the lender is not going to give me any more than $450,000. It's not going to lend me any more than $450,000. So I can either say, okay, I still want this house and I don't even want to bother negotiating with the seller. So I'm just going to put fifty grand of my own that the lender is not going to lend me. But what if I don't have fifty grand? Well, then my realtor is going to go to the other selling agent or the listing agent and say, hey, listen, this house is, according to this appraiser, only worth four fifty. dollars So my buyer has ten grand cash. We'll take it for four sixty, dollars Or we can't take it for more than four fifty, dollars And you're renegotiating that. Um, and um, or, okay, so that's the first scenario. Or if it appraises high, that means you're just buying the house for what you offered. You don't, like you said, you don't have to tell the seller. And um, you're walking into your house with equity, which is also great. Honestly, both situations are kind of win-wins because you're either getting the house for less than you expected or you're getting the house for less than it's worth. So the only real con scenario is if the seller won't budge and you can't pay more. And then you lose the house, which sucks, but you'll always find another one and it saves you paying more than the house is worth. Yeah. And you'll find another one and you get your earnest money back. So... It's yeah. not the end of the world. Honestly, in each of these situations, it can be really hard when the contract falls through. But every time I've ever seen that happen to a client, they've always ended up with a better house than they thought they would anyway. Every time. So, like, it's, Even when it's felt like the perfect house that could never be matched, we've seen it get matched oh, every time. time. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to explain what happens on closing day? Oh, closing day. Best day ever. Um, so on closing day, the first thing you do is head to your bank. (laughs) Or I mean, some people can do it online. I know we thought we could do it online and then we realized very quickly that we couldn't. So usually you have to go into your bank and you wire the money to the um, title company. So that's just the money for the down payment or closing costs or both. Um, So first you do that and then you head to the title company. No, I actually didn't know this because I think like in the movies, they're always closed on the house at the house. Yeah. But I but that doesn't happen. I've never seen that happen. It's possible. It's not common in Tennessee. Yeah. So typically you're going to your closing company. Um, and you are signing all the papers. And there are attorneys that work for the title company that are gonna walk you through that so you're not intimidated by this huge stack of papers. I remember when we showed up to closing, it was like so intimidating. Like, wait, are we real? It's just like there's a lot of emotions that go on. Sometimes you're excited, but I mean honestly, most of my clients are so nervous. Totally. But- but that's normal. It's normal if you're nervous. But it's also really exciting. Yeah, it's the best. And you walk out of it with a house that's yeah. yours and it's going up in value and you just made a really amazing investment. So um, basically, if you like this podcast, but also if you are inti- still intimidated by the buying process, don't worry. Um, if that's the scenario, the number one thing you need is a trusted realtor. So you can definitely reach out to us. Um, or even if you don't live in Tennessee, but you want a trusted resource, still reach out to us because we may be able to refer you um, to someone that you really trust and we'll be able to simplify it and walk you through every step of the process. 
And if you enjoyed this, um, you can also go to vlogsfee.com and you can download a guide to buying your home. So that basically breaks down everything we just said so you can look over it and understand it even better. And that's how you get started. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for listening.